Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. And faithful because I'm always faithful. And he just kind of orchestrates everything to a plan and to a purpose. I was struggling a little bit um, with what I was supposed to preach and not really sure about if it was right or, or not. And then Brother Brom delivered a word this morning that coincided perfectly with it. And then uh, the second song that we sang tonight about the promises of God just kind of reassured again and again that God has everything in control. That he's got everything in control, so if we just trust him and put it in his hands, we know that it'll all work out for good. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm going to look at um, two stories, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. And we're going to bounce back and forth um, between these stories. We'll kind of follow these along as a progression as we go tonight. Um, so if you're turning in your Bibles, they'll have them up on the screen as well. But if you're turning in your Bibles, we'll be in the book of Luke and also in Second Kings. So we'll start with Luke chapter 1 and 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll give you just a minute to get there. Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 26 through 33. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of situation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That's a good place to be, isn't it? And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 12 through 16. It says this, And he said to, this is uh, Elisha talking, uh, that we're talking about here. It says, And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he, said unto, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. It's always a fun place to be too, isn't it? No, don't, don't lie to me, God. You set this promise up and it looks pretty good, but don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. So one of the greatest things about a country, America, one of the greatest things about the United States is, is that it is quite uh, literally the land of opportunity, Right? You, uh, you have opportunities to do things. You have a chance to chase dreams, uh, to, to, to see something, to dream something, and then to pursue after it and make it come to life. And that's not the case in, in every country. 
which is why a lot of times people are drawn to this American dream, this, this what I consider the greatest nation in all the world. <clears throat> and there is a, a sort of a, a sort of comparison or, or, or coalition to that idea of an American dream, a place where you're able to pursue something, a place where you're able to see something and to work and to attain it. There's a correlation to that in our spiritual world, in the kingdom of God where there are absolutely no limitations. There's absolutely nothing that God cannot do. Therefore, there's absolutely nothing that God cannot do through you. And so if you set your mind to it, if you set a goal, if he's given you a purpose and a calling and a dream, you can pursue after that thing and you can see it come to pass just like we could in the natural world, we can in a spiritual world. Amen? Amen. No doubt God has given everybody in here some promises, right? We've all had some sort of promise, whatever that might be. Maybe uh, we're at a place in our walk with God where we don't know exactly what that is. Maybe it's just the promise that his salvation is still real. Maybe it's just the promise that there's still repentance and forgiveness of sins. Maybe it's just the promise that uh, you can also, to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or maybe it's something bigger. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe it's a, a calling. Maybe it's a vision. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a, a, a promise that he's given about, about family members, about lost loved ones, about friends and coworkers, about people coming to the Lord. Maybe it's a calling of, of a workplace, a, 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 a field of harvest. But God's given us dreams. God's given us promises. Sometimes we label them visions or burdens, dreams, promise, whatever you want to call it. But we know that God allows every one of us to have those. Tonight we're going to look at uh, all of those, I'll just kind of for the sake of ease, condense them all into the word promise. And we're going to explore one question tonight. Where is your promise? Where is your promise? I want to talk to us tonight about five different stages. I know I just said five points and everybody went, <gasps> we'll be okay. I won't talk about them all very long. Five stages of a promise or a dream. And I want to ask tonight the simple question, where is your promise. Now, I want to point out something to us as we get started about both of the women that we read about their stories tonight. They both did some things before they received their promise, right? Mary, it says, the angel says, you have, are highly favored. You found favor in the sight of the Lord. She'd lived a pure and a pleasing life. The Shunammite woman, she had made it her, her mission to spend her time, her effort, and her finance to make sure that she took care of the voice of God in her life and in the prophet Elisha, making sure that he always had, had somewhere to stay, always had some sustenance, always had some food, a, a place of rest, and a place of nourishment. She took care of the voice of God in her life. So sometimes we get right to the, to the fact and we just want to jump straight to the promise stage, right? Because it's awesome for the promises of God to be in our lives. And we just want to be like, all right, now I, now I get to live in the promises of God. Where's my promise? Where's the chance? Where's the opportunity? But we miss a step sometimes about the preparation for that, about the groundwork that has been laid, about a Mary who up until this point in her life had to live a pure and acceptable life or else she would not have been able to be the called uh, virgin to bring forth the son of God, right? The Shunammite woman, if she'd just been going about her business and, and you know, just trying to uh, eat off the scraps of the table as the, the prophet come by and she just wants the good stuff and ignore the bad stuff and, and don't bother me, you know, I just, wanna, I just wanna show up to church and listen and leave. I don't wanna get involved. That's what that looks like today. Uh, but she said, she said, 
uh, I'm going to make sure that I invest in the voice of God in my life. And because of that, because of that, the prophet saw her faithfulness to the voice of God, and he saw her, uh, her faithfulness to that, and he asked, what should I do for you? He said, do you want me to talk to kings for you? Do you want me to talk to, to rulers, what, whatever the case may be? And she just said, I don't need any real great thing. Like, this is where I live. This is where I'm at. One of the benefits of being content, right? Not always having to have something different or, or something else. But then Elisha's servant, Gehazi, said, she's got no child, and, and she really wants a child. And he so then he, he prophesied this promise to her. He said, behold, this, this season of life, you'll, you'll have a kid. So when we have a promise, it's a lot like when in the natural world we have infants, when we have babies. There's a season where it's got to cultivate and it's got to grow. And just like that, there's a point in our spiritual life when we have a promise or a burden and it's growing. You see, when the baby is in the womb, it's... it's got to grow. It's got to develop. It's got to be nourished. It's got to be fed. It's got to be taken care of. It's got to be prepared. It doesn't just, you're pregnant and then you have a baby the next day. That's not how that works. We're not, we won't get into the whole science of it, but that's not how that works. That's, it takes a little bit longer than that. There's a growth. And in that growth, there's an expectation, right? There's an anticipation. There's, there's uh, things that come up. There's excitement, but there's also an awareness. There's some things that you just shouldn't do when you're carrying a promise, whether that be live or spiritual. When you're carrying a promise, there's some things you shouldn't do. For instance, if, if you are pregnant, this is a newsflash here, I'll, I'll let you know, you probably shouldn't drink alcohol or, or consume drugs. That's bad for the baby. You probably shouldn't uh, take up cage fighting at that stage in your life. It could be dangerous. You probably want to be a little bit more careful with some of the activities that you engage in. Because why? Because there's something inside of you that's cultivating, that's growing, and that as it's our job to nourish that, but also to protect that and to cover that. And we need to make sure and realize that if that's the stage that we're at in our spiritual walk with God, where we've got this dream and this vision and it's, and it's inside of us and it's being cultivated and it's being developed, we need to take care of it. We need to protect it. We need to act like we have something inside of us. We need to act like we've been given a dream. We need to act like we've been given a promise from God. And we need to act like we're going to protect it, to watch over it, and to make sure that we see it come to pass someday. We need to not just take it for granted that all nature will take its course and and then there it comes but we've got to act like there's something inside of us now sometimes part of the excitement uh, of a developing baby is the unknown right for some people um, gender features talents etc what have you you know trying to wonder and, and concern what what's this one going to be like what's this one going to be like now um, for a few of our kids we did it the right way and found out what we were having and then uh, for some of them, we didn't, and that's not fun. Uh, some, obviously, my wife disagrees because she got to make that call. Um, but <laughs> part of the excitement is like for some people is not knowing, but for me, part of the excitement is knowing. And then, like you know, not that I'm a planner, but you know, you can kind of get ideas. You can kind of get like like thoughts about you know, at least pick out a name, right? Picking one name's hard enough. You don't have to pick two. And, uh, and, and so 
the unknown is part of the excitement. The unknown is part of what can kind of drive us. But, but sometimes in the unknown, there can also be a stage where we allow fear to grip us. Like, what if this baby is born with all of his teeth? What if it's just not cute? What if it's got werewolf syndrome and it's completely covered in hair? Like, am I still gonna love it? What, what if I have a Guinness World Record baby, but not like in a good way? Not like the Gerber baby, but like the opposite of the Gerber baby. I don't know what that is. What if? And sometimes we can allow uh, the, the rabbit hole of, of fear to kind of take over. Google, what's the weirdest thing that could happen when my child is born? Don't Google it, because it's freaky. Um, <laughs> but we, we can allow, if we're not careful, we can allow expectation to turn into fear. And we can allow fear to kind of shape and shift our mindset about, about what happens to where when we're in a stage that we should be excited and we should be anticipating and we should be anxiously awaiting and preparing and planning, we're just terrified and locked away in a corner. And yes, we're talking about a baby right now, but I'm also talking about a promise from God. God spoke something into your life and you're just a little bit worried about what that might look like down the road. How does that all play out? What's the end game? What's the end result? Does this promise that God's giving me have a mouthful of teeth? Like, cause that, yeah, I don't know. It's not that cute when you're an infant. So we can allow the fear to kind of grip and take over. And I want to take a moment here tonight and hopefully help some people with our outlook on, on God dreams or God promises. You see, too often I'm afraid that good, godly people who would never advocate for a physical abortion are much too quick to try and kill off the unborn promises of God. Too quick to try and abort the promise that God has given. Too quick to try and say, that sounds like an inconvenience, let's get rid of it. What's the spiritual version of plan B? You know, and we wouldn't advocate for this in the physical world. None of us would. But for some reason, when we come into the house of God and it comes to our spiritual walk, we just want to say, eh, that sounds a little scary. Let me just get rid of it. Let's just cut that off. Let's just say no. At this, now's not a good time. You know, nope, we'll just, we'll kill it off. And sometimes we do that to ourselves, but sometimes I'm afraid we also do that to other people, to other people. Say, oh no, that, pr that promise, that sounds too big. I'm not the right person. Why him? Why her? Are you sure that's who you want to use, God? Or this one, are you sure that God told you that? First, I want to encourage us as a church, don't be that person. Don't be the spiritual aborter of promises and dreams. Please don't be that person. We should be a, a congregation, a family, a body of somebody who's ready to encourage, of somebody who's ready to say, if God's promised you this, then let me come alongside and let me see what I can do to help you. If you need anything, you let me know. If you need help, if you need support, if you need prayer, I've got your back. Not the other way that says, eh, sounds like too, but you're probably not the right person. You should just shut that down before you get carried away. Second, if God gave you this promise, if God gave you this dream, don't let anybody take it away. The word of God tells you that he that hath begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of completion, until the day of return, amen? If he's begun it, he's got a purpose, he's got a plan, he's got an idea and a thought that goes behind it. 
says it like this, if God be for us, who can be against us? So you might have naysayers in your life. You might have somebody that speaks in it, and that person might be staring you in the mirror. But I want to let you know right now tonight, if God has spoken the promise, let nothing kill it. Let nothing take it away. But you protect it. You cultivate it. You grow it. You feed it. You pursue after it like it's your very own because it is. Because God has said, this is what I have in store for you. This is the plan. This is the purpose I have for you. And don't let anybody take that away. So that's the cultivation part of the promise. And then is the next part, the excitement, where, where they see it come to life. They watch it be born. Second Kings chapter 4 and 17, it says, And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha has said unto her, according to the time of life. She brought forth life. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We see a birth taking place in both of these stories. There's an awesome time that we get to see that promise come to life. Things start working together. Pieces start falling into place. We've carried this burden, this promise, for a while. We're in the four, third trimester, right? We've, we've, we've been waiting for this time. And if you have been pregnant or have been around someone that's pregnant, that's the time that everybody's like, all right, let's just, let's just get this thing out. We're, I'm done. I'm done with the cultivation phase. Let's see it come to life. And there's a time when we're like right there at the brink and we're just ready for that to happen. And you know what? It's like that too in our spiritual walk. There's a time right before that promise's birth where you're like, all right, God, I've done the preparation. I've done the legwork. I've put in the time. I've allowed you to grow this thing. I've allowed you to cultivate. I've protected it. I've guarded it. I've kept it safe. And now God says it's time to watch it be born. And when you see the birth of a promise of God, it's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. This is when ministries are launched. This is when outreach opportunities happen. This is when you teach your first Bible study. This is when you see a loved one standing in an altar. This is when you watch a friend go down in a watery grave of baptism. This is when you see those prayers being answered. This is what it's like to see birth to the promises that God gives us. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time, but it's not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable because that means that changes are taking place. As human beings, sometimes we have a hard time with change, even if it's good. Even if we moved Wednesday night from 7.30 to 7. That was just an announcement. I wasn't venting. Um, no, it'll be great. It's just change, right? It's just different. And so we've got this, this, this idea of how just life's always been, so this is how it's always going to be, and then God throws a, a, a promise our way, but we look at it as a problem. Oh, this is uncomfortable. It might be uncomfortable, but it's exciting. It's new life. It's new opportunity. It's the launching pad for something incredible. And then the stage, so they've cultivated and they saw it come to life and then they watched it live. They watched it live. Now we don't have a whole lot of, of actual uh, hard evidence of what happened during the life and in times of these in their early stages and in their early life and teen years. You've got a couple stories with Jesus, but, but we don't have a whole lot of information about what went on in the day-to-day. -day. But obviously if they got to a later point, then there was an earlier point. That's how that works. Also, you, you're born and then you gotta actually live through all those years to get to a certain age, it doesn't just happen. And so 
there's the times that we get to watch the promises live. And we rejoice in those moments. We love those things. We relish in those things. And it's awesome when we see a dream or a promise lived out. There's nothing better than living in the promises of God. Can I get an amen to that? Has anybody been able to see a promise come to life and then watch it live? Anybody ever started a journey or started a ministry or started an opportunity and just watched God take over and take control? And if you actually stop and look back, you think, there's no way that this is possible. There's no way that, that, that I did this. And we know that it wasn't me or it wasn't you. It was God through us, right? And that's how everything works together. And that's how the promises of God are. And it's a phenomenal time and an excellent experience. And if that's where you're at, I challenge you, don't take it for granted. Live in it. Maximize the opportunity. Take every advantage of living in the promises of Jesus Christ. Because just like in both of these stories, there's an unfortunate time when they watched a promise die. Luke chapter 23, 46, it says, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He died. Second Kings 4, 18 and 20, it says, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. If that doesn't make you scared of your next headache, I don't know what will. Uh, no, but, but there was a, a moment. You think everything's just going fine. Everything's perfect. Everything's going well. I'm watching the promise of God be alive in my life. And then I don't know, my head hurts, and then all of a sudden it's dead. That promise is gone. Mary's watched her, her promise grow and be born and launch into ministry and begin to do all these great and mighty things, and then the next thing you know, she's at the foot of a cross. Not realizing at the time, possibly, that that, that was the promise. That was the promise. And we know the story doesn't end there, but what does this look like in, in the natural world? Jackie Robinson, very famous as the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. He was approached by the Brooklyn Dodgers team president, uh, Branch Rickey, about joining the Dodgers franchise. And, and he accepted this, this uh, offer. And, and when Branch picked him up and he's driving him to the facilities for the first time, how's that got to feel if you're Jackie Robinson? My dreams are coming true. I'm blazing a trail. I'm living in this. And this guy's offered me an olive branch. He's given me an opportunity that not everybody would give. And sometimes, you know, you just sit in that moment and you're like, wow, God is really doing this. God is really putting this together for me. He really is faithful to his word. He really did do what he said he would do. Amen? Praise God. But what happened next took Jackie Robinson by surprise as Branch Rickey turned to him and began shouting at him, telling him how worthless he was, using racial slurs and being very derogatory and just hammering him with everything he could think of. And all of a sudden, you're just like, I thought I was living the dream, and now where's all this coming from? And they stop the car, and he looks at him, and he says, now, Jackie, this is what you're going to deal with every single day. I just got to make sure you can handle it. And sometimes we wonder, why are we struggling? Why are we finding ourselves fighting for the life of a dream, for the life of a promise? God, you gave me this promise. Why is it so hard right now? Why does it seem like it's not working out? Why does it seem like it's not coming to pass? Why does it seem like I can't make heads or tails of the situation? Or, or it seems like I'm taking one step forward and then it's, it's two steps back or 22 steps back. 
It gets hard and it gets challenging. We're like, I thought that everything was right. But we're fighting for the life of that dream. The Bible tells us, though, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. We like that when it's good things. But that also means that even hard times, even uncomfortable times and situations, all things work together for good. The cross was not a comfortable part of Mary's promise, but the cross was an eternal part of Mary's promise. The cross offered eternal salvation for me and for you today that we're able to take advantage of. So was it comfortable? No. Was it exciting to watch her son, her baby boy, beaten and hung on a cross to die? No. There's no joy in that. There's no fun in that. But what happens when you look back and see the reason for the struggle? When you see the reason for the hard time, when you see the reason that you walked through the storm and you say, now I see that God always had it in control. God always had my life in the palm of his hand. God always had his, his moments. He always knew what was going on. He orchestrated every moment and every opportunity and the pain had a purpose. And the hardship had a promise that was tied to it. Could it be that God just needs to make sure that we're ready for what he has in store for us next? I think the reason that God doesn't show us everything all at once is actually two reasons. First, just being honest here, we're so small-minded sometimes as humans, and we limit ourselves so much that we could actually defeat or, as we said before, abort our promise before we ever even give it a chance. Brother Brahm, I'm going to put you on the spot here because it's my favorite thing to do. When you were 14 years old, if God said, you're going to be the youth president of the state of Minnesota and the associate pastor of Connect Point Church in Eagle Lake, what would you have said? Probably not happening, okay? If he would have said those things, if he would have just given us the big picture things, and I'm not saying he's reached his pinnacle. I believe God's got more in store for my friend. But if, we, if, we just, if God just drops these bombs on us when we're not prepared for them or we're not ready for them, then we're quick to say, eh, cut that. Let's not, no, just stop. Pick somebody else. I, God, I could tell you there's a lot better people to go there and do that ministry. I can tell you, God, there's a lot better people to go reach that community. There's probably a lot better person that you could pick that's more capable, that's more talented, that's more available, that has more time, that, you know, that, that, that maybe they, they're looking for something to do. God, I've got my hands full already. It's not a good time. So we could kill off the promises of God before we even allow them to be spoken into our lives. Secondly, sometimes it would literally blow our mind if God showed us his entire plan for our life right now. Sometimes the plan that he has is bigger than what we're able to actually wrap our head around. And while you think, oh, that sounds like a great thing, it's not, not always a great thing. Because if you know the end game, our natural inclination is to try and jump to the end game. We try and get right to the end as quick as we can, but we miss all the preparation steps. It's like in the life of Joseph. He was, he was called, ultimately ended up saving an entire nation from famine, but he wasn't ready for that when he was just a boy that didn't know when to keep his mouth closed. He went through a lot of steps in life, a lot of problems, a lot of situations, a lot of struggles that all led him to a place that God says, now I'm ready to use you. 
It's possible that when he saw these dreams and he saw these visions, that yes, God was telling this, this is exactly what's gonna happen, and you know what? It came to pass. But the problem was he tried to jump straight to that, and that's why he found himself in a pit, cast away by his brothers, sold into slavery. Because he wasn't ready for that moment. And sometimes, if we don't allow ourselves the preparation phase, if we don't allow ourselves, yes, the struggle phase, then we're not ready to handle what comes to us when we get to the moment that we're living in our promises and that we're ready to see what God has in store, that we're ready to see what God is doing with the next chapter of our lives. So yes, there are unfortunate and heartbreaking times when it seems that our promises have died. Maybe it's because we neglected it. Maybe it's because we didn't care for it. Maybe it's because we got lazy or got careless with it. Maybe it's like both of these cases in which there was nothing that these ladies could have done to prevent the death, but it just happened. That's not fun to talk about, is it? Now, could it be that the devil's just fighting you? That could be part of the situation. Not because of who you are right now, but because of who he knows that you're going to become. Ty Tribbett recorded a song called I Want It All Back, and the song talks about taking back the things that the devil's stolen from us throughout our lives. But my favorite part of the song says, Devil, if you only knew what I was going to be after the storm, you wouldn't have even bothered me. God's calling us to some things, church. God's given some promises, and God's given us some dreams, and God's given us some visions, and some things that we should be desperately holding on to. And we don't know why we're getting the obstinance that we're getting, and we don't know why it feels like we're hitting a wall, and we don't know why it feels like we can't make any headway, but the devil's fighting tooth and nail to keep us from what he knows the end game is, because he knows what his outcome is. Jesus Christ is on the throne today, tomorrow, and forever all of eternity he wins the game and he's calling you and he's calling me to be a part of that journey and to be a part of that battle and to fight and to take up a mantle of ministry and to engage in a promise of Jesus Christ and the devil knows if he doesn't stop us now he has no hope because my God is ready to do something the fields are white all ready to harvest so we pray the Lord of the harvest to send us laborers and if we allow ourselves to stop before we get into the field We've cheated ourselves of the harvest of those promises. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. The devil is a lot of things, and not the least of which is a coward. He sees us when those promises are born, and he sees the threat that they can become. Herod heard of the potential for a threat and tried to have all the baby boys killed. Sometimes the mere birth of a promise instills fear in the enemy. still instills fear in us, too, but it's a different kind of fear when you're up against a promise from God and you're on the wrong side of it. It's a different kind of fear. He tries to kill it before it can cause him any problems. I wanna tell somebody tonight that if the devil is attacking you, believe it or not, that's usually a good thing because that means you're headed in the right direction. I'm not saying we should go out and, and, and seek to be tempted and seek to just make a mess of our lives and say, oh, well, this must mean I'm doing good because the devil's got me. It's not what I'm saying, but if the devil's attacking you, it feels like, you know, I'm doing the right things. I'm headed the right way. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I just keep getting that attack, the fiery darts. I just keep getting life just kind of throwing at me. There's a reason that he's trying to stop what's coming your way. That means you're headed in the right direction, and he's trying to stop before that promise is fully revealed. 
Yes, he's scared of you. But if you fight through that storm, I promise you, you will emerge victorious. And you will see the promise live and show Satan that he does have a reason to be scared. So when we're knocked down, what do we do? We quote the word of God said, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. This isn't the end of the story. The fall isn't my description. The mistake isn't my destination. The failure isn't my eternity. It's merely just a stumbling block in the road. But I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to put my life on an altar one more time and say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. I might not have got it right last time. I might have failed. I might have stumbled. I might have faltered. I might not have been willing to do everything you were calling me to do, but my God, here I am. If you can use anything, you can use me. And I point a finger in the face of the enemy and say, rejoice not against me, for when I fall, I shall arise. The psalmist said it this way, thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Amen. So I challenge somebody today in the face of the death of a promise, in the face of what looks like gloom and doom, in the face of what looks like no way forward, don't stop now. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Your life is not over. Your ministry has not yet ended. God is not done using you. He's still calling you to a deeper purpose, and he's still giving his faithfulness to your promises. So what happened in each one of these situations? Neither of these women gave up, did they? No, the Shunammite woman literally chased down the prophet Elisha on behalf of her promise. She didn't accept that her promise was defeated, and neither should anybody in this building tonight. Sometimes all it takes is just a little bit of desperation. Someone tonight, you feel that God has given you a promise and you feel that it's, that it's dying or that it's withering away or that it's just never gonna come to pass. But I would to God that somebody would get desperate tonight and refuse to accept defeat. We heard a story this morning, a wonderful testimony that Brother Brom shared. Uh, and, and while this man laid in, in what was death, the end of his life, his mom just walked around the body praying, devil, you can't have my boy. And I want somebody to understand and realize that we need to have that determination sometimes that says, devil, you can't have my dream. You can't have my promise. You can't have what God promised to me. I'm not willing to let it go. I'm not willing to give up on it yet. I'm not willing to cast it aside. I'm not willing to see it aborted or killed off. But God's called it. God's promised it. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to declare the faithfulness of God. And I'm going to say, yes, you're faithful. You've done it before. You can do it again. You did it for them, you can do it for me. You told me you'd answer that prayer. You told me my loved one would walk through that door. You told me that this is where you were going to bring me. You told me that this is what was in store. And I refuse to accept defeat. I refuse to give it up. I refuse to sacrifice it to anything other than Jesus Christ. This is not the end. This is not the end. Praise God. We need to have a desperation inside of us that says, I refuse to let it go now. I'm reminded of the story of a woman with the issue of blood. And she had a determination that said, but if I could just touch but the hem of his garment. And there were huge crowds all around Jesus at this time. And this woman who'd been battling the same disease for 12 years. The issue of blood, we don't know exactly what it was, but the Bible calls it an issue of blood. And we don't really think about our blood a whole, whole lot, unless we get cut and we see it. Uh, we just don't think about it. Now, this may come as a shock to you, but 
There's been certain times in my life when I thought I was larger than life and that rules didn't apply to me. I was in, uh, I was in college and I was doing my part as a concerned citizen and I was donating blood. The Red Cross came through, you know, and I was, I was giving this blood donation and they tell you now, no, no strenuous activity for 12 to 24 hours. And I was like, <laughs> you don't know who you're talking to. And so immediately following my blood donation, I hastened to my room, changed into my ball clothes, ran outside in uh, the, what we consider summer heat of Missouri and began to play softball because why not? Well, about, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes in, chasing a ball down in the outfield, I found out why not. As it turns out, when there's something wrong or, or you don't have enough blood, it's kind of like running your car low on oil. It's, it's not a good thing. And I did one of these, and I was like, whoa, I should probably go sit down before I actually pass out. Uh, and so I, I tell that story to say, this woman's been dealing with an issue of blood for 12 years. So undoubtedly, she wasn't the picture of physical fitness. She wasn't the person that you would picture being able to just elbow her way through a crowd and push people out of the way and say, you know what, that's where I'm going and that's where I'm gonna get. But she'd been battling this disease and this situation for 12 years, so no doubt she was weak. She was weary. She was hurting. She was sick, but she had a determination that said, if I can just get, I might not be able to, 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 to wrap my arms around him. I might not be able to, to grab a hold of him. I might not be able to have a conversation, but if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that's enough. And I'm going to tell you, it took a certain amount of determination for this lady to fight her way through a crowd in that condition and touch the hem of her garment. But what happened when desperation wouldn't allow her to let a promise pass her by? What happened when desperation wouldn't allow her to sit idle by? She reached out. She fought through. She endured the pain. She endured the hardship. And she received her promise. Praise God. I just think, I just think tonight it's time for somebody to just bow their back. It's time for somebody to just bear down with determination. It's time to allow a drive of desperation to take over and to will you through this shadow. It's time to allow our spirit to just well up inside of us and say, you know what, it's time I just gotta pick myself up. I gotta dust myself off. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. It might be that we need to just encourage ourselves in the Lord tonight and say, I know it doesn't look right. I know I don't have a reason from the outside. I know that situation doesn't say that I should be proclaiming things in faith right now right now because truthfully my life just looks a mess but I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord I'm going to find my way to an altar I'm going to find my way to a place and allow something to be rebirthed I'm going to allow something to be reborn and I'm going to allow my, my, my determination to not let anything stop me tonight Somebody needs to understand we can't quit believing. We can't quit chasing this dream. We can't quit praying and dreaming. We can't give up now. I want to encourage somebody, don't stop. If God has given you a dream, now is not the time to quit. If God has given you a promise, now is not the time to let it go and let it be sacrificed on an altar of mediocrity. Now is not the time to allow our promises to fade away. Because what happened in the rest of the story? They watched their promises resurrect. 2 Kings 4, 32, 35. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead. 
and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them both and prayed unto the Lord and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm and then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. The dream was reborn. Luke 2, uh, 24, 1 through 6. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake to you when he was yet in Galilee. And I hope that by the end of this night tonight that somebody comes up and says, well, well why, why do you got this new, new outlook on life? Why are you coming into work today a little bit brighter? Why are you not so down? Why are you not so defeated? Because you're seeking for the living among the dead. My promise isn't dead anymore. Life has been restored. New life has been breathed into me. I'm not willing to let anything be passed away. I'm not willing to let a stone cover up what God has put before me. I'm not willing to let a simple thing like death interrupt a promise that God has for eternity. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Anybody remember the story of, of Jairus' daughter? Everybody's weeping, everybody's crying, and they're just filling the house. And they're like, oh, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. And yeah, I guess if she's dead, that's a good reason to cry. <clears throat> Jesus steps on the scene and says, she's not dead, she's just asleep. Mark 5, 40 and 42, it says, they laughed him to scorn. It's one of my favorite phrases. I like to use it even today. They laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he take the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and he entered in where the damsel was laying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with grace and astonishment. What happened first? What happened first? Jesus was ready to do the miracle. Jesus was ready to breathe life into death. Jesus was ready to take what seemed impossible and make it possible again. But what did he do first? Got rid of the unbelievers and the naysayers. And we can take a chapter out of, out of Jesus' life right here and apply this into our own. Get rid of the naysayers. Don't listen to the negativity. Don't allow so many voices saying, you can't do it, it's not for you. Why would he call you? Why would he tell you that? Why would God promise that? You can't do it, you're not good enough, you've made too many mistakes, you've done too much wrong. Get rid of the negative voices that are in our lives. Now, that we can't always get rid of the people that are behind the voice, but we don't have to allow the voice to speak into our life. Amen? We don't have to allow the negativity to speak into our life. But what happens? He gets rid of the unbelievers and the naysayers, and he said, she's not dead, only asleep. He says, arise. And I think that somebody needs to speak with their God-given authority. Speak to your promise. Speak to your situation. Speak to your life. Speak to what God's been telling you. It's been down for too long. It's been defeated for too long. It's been told no for too long. But I think somebody should arise in Jesus Christ today and say, not my promise, devil. 
not my dreams, not my purpose, not what God has told me. I'm not going to allow it to die off. Not tonight. Not tonight if we can all stand. The question still remains, where is your promise? Where is your promise? I believe with my whole heart tonight that that God wants to see some promises resurrected in this place. We're going to see some dreams be given birth in this place. We're going to see some people, some people's promises take life. I believe there are people in this room right now who are ready for the life phase of your promise. You've been doing the cultivation. You've been doing the preparation. You've been doing the legwork. You've been putting in the time. And you're wondering, when is the moment? And I feel like for somebody, God is saying, now's the time. This promise is ready to come to life. I'm ready to do a miraculous thing in your life. I'm ready to let you see the next step and the next phase. So no matter what phase we're in tonight and no matter where our promise is, I'd like to invite everybody that would to come down to an altar. Maybe your promise is growing and you need strength. Maybe it's died and it needs to be resurrected and for those of you who are watching your promise live I want you to rejoice in the Lord for that and connect with a brother or sister who needs your strength and your faith so no matter where your promise is if it's being cultivated we need to find an altar if it's being birthed if it's ready to take that next step we need to find a place and say God use anything Lord you can use me prepare me make a way make a way Lord Jesus do what only you can do God not because of who I am but because of what you are. And for some, if your promise has died and you're feeling the pain of that and you're feeling the sting of that, I want you to not allow yourself to be defeated for a moment longer, but I want you to rise up with a righteous indignation and say, not my promise, devil. I'm not willing to let this die out. God, I put myself, my life, my promises, my hopes, my dreams, I put them on an altar of sacrifice to you and I place them in your hands, Lord Jesus. After all, it came from you. So God, I'm just giving it back to you tonight and I want to see what God is willing to do in this place in your life yes in your situation yes in your moment yes with your promise yes with that prayer that you've been praying for so many years for so many months for so long that it seems you don't know if you got the strength to pray it anymore his promise hasn't changed his life his his faithfulness his abilities haven't diminished one bit he's still just as God today as he was when the promise was spoken with the initiation so you're able to take hold of that you're able to take root of that you're able to move forward in that and I pray right now that we would not let anything stop us from pursuing after what God has in store blessed be the name thank you for listening to our podcast this week we hope you enjoyed this message Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.